Welcome to the X Podcast. We're so excited to have you for another episode. And we're back for a little Russia-Ukraine 2.0. Round two. Round two. Round another, two. Another, I thought we'd get together for another episode. And in the spirit of it, you are wearing Zelensky's uh, favorite color? Zoom favorite t-shirt. Color. Favorite yeah. color. Yeah. Yes, this is a Zelensky t-shirt. It is. And you are wearing... Another sports shirt. Cleveland... Cleveland Browns? Hmm. I don't even know how you can wear that. Why? Well, I don't know. I mean... I, don't, I mean, it's a whole nother conversation, but I don't, I don't. Maybe that's another podcast. Maybe, maybe the quarterback you guys just picked up and 22 civil lawsuits that he still a, has to work a through. Lot mm. More civil lawsuits than starting quarterbacks for the Browns. That's, yeah. In the last however many years. Thankfully, he's a professing Christian. Christian. And um, from Clemson University. Yeah. Clemson. Clemson. Clemson, not Clemson. <laughs> yeah, Clemson. Um, yeah, that's I, a lot of reaction just I, that I've seen from Cleveland Browns fans in the sports media is very mixed. In other words, I am really struggling with how do I – like I'll still celebrate my team, mm-hmm. but I'm having a really hard time getting behind this move. Yeah, I don't, I'm with, trying to wrap my mind around how I feel. How do you feel about it? How do you feel about, about the Browns uh, quarterback? Which t- is who? Ted Nugent? No, no, it's not Ted no, Nugent. It's not Ted Nugent. That, that, it's that, he played. This is somebody who actually plays a sport. Oh, okay. Yeah. It's Deshaun Watson. Deshaun Watson. Oh, he is from Clemson. from Clemson. He is from Clemson. Okay. He is. Yeah, I think he's your dad's favorite yes, quarterback absolutely. of all time. I actually do know I'd like that. To, I would love to know what your dad seems to think about all this. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I feel like my dad mentioned so, this because this happened last week. Yeah, yes. just just happened yeah, last my, week. My dad mentioned this in what South did he say? Africa. I'm trying to remember what he said. So Deshaun Watson just got picked traded. up, traded to the Browns, mm. who have given backed up Brink trucks. Yep. He is going to guaranteed the, the biggest make two hundred biggest contract. So he's got the history. biggest guaranteed contract ever of mm. somebody who has not played in the NFL for almost two years. Did he play a year ago? Uh, one year. One full for, year. He did yep. not play. Yep. Um, because of all of the allegations and the civil lawsuits of sexual harassment mm. and other things that uh, he was, I will no, say, say, he was facing he was criminal charges, facing criminal charges, and then went before they, a grand jury, and, and they did not cleared. Uh, well, that just means that they are not, not pursuing. They're not anything pursuing. It doesn't mean that charges. It doesn't mean nothing happened. It just means that they're not moving to trial. Mm. There wasn't wasn't enough. Evidence. I would say there wasn't enough evidence to move to trial uh, for no, no, federal no. crime. I shouldn't say move to trial to uh, accuse him of charges. Yes. Or to give him charges. So, yeah, convict him. Yes. Or, no, not, no, not convict no, him. Whatever. Uh, to actually... We're getting our... T- terms mixed up. Go there to was jury. Not, there was not enough uh, evidence for him to be charged Tried. with a crime. Yeah. And so, well, so it's interesting, though, but after that, though there's still 22 civil lawsuits and a lot of statements... Hmm. He gets traded to the Browns, who backed up a Brink truck, and he is getting like two hundred and thirty million dollars guaranteed, fully guaranteed over the next five years. Hmm. More, a lot of that is base salary. Uh, okay, we don't we don't yeah, care okay. about that. Yeah, just anyways. so, anyways, there's a lot of Browns fans that just feel really slimy about it because yeah. he was a good quarterback, but now you got somebody who very well may have just done really awful things. Yeah. We don't know. Again, it's the whole innocent until proven guilty, right. but right. these are civil lawsuits. And then after you think through all of it, it's kind of like, oh, no. who cares about the Browns, right? <laughs> yeah, and that's, that that's, is, that's the bigger issue. That's exactly it. In the world of sports, actually, the more important thing probably yeah. to discuss yeah. Uh, yeah. back March Madness. in the Southeast would be, March well, Madness. March Madness, but also who'd Freddie Freeman. Who did you, you pick Freddie Freeman. No one cares about the Braves. Oh, my. Uh, yeah, okay. 
a hundred percent. No, he leaves. Mm-mm. A lot of Braves fans are upset, Mm-mm. but apparently, who they're replacing him with no. has just as good of a record. Buddy, who is watches it? Who is baseball. It? Who, who, are they, who are they replacing him with? I have no idea. I'm not that much into sports, but I do know that the Braves are way more exciting than the yeah. Cleveland Browns. <laughs> not around no, here, they're not. No, but no, no, no. but anyway, so, I mean. Here's here's the bigger thing. Here's the bigger thing you need to know. Uh, the Rock Nobody and Roll Hall of Fame is where the event is where the Avengers. Not true. It's America's favorite pastime. It oh, is that not, is very that is nostalgic. So old. It is that not is America's favorite pastime. The ratings, the now. ratings, the money. Um, oh well, all those things. Money. Point let's that. not say money because they actually make more money than any of the other sports. No, yeah. No, thank don't. you. Yeah, they do. Nope. Yep. Their contracts. You just don't know sports. It's no, true. No, no, Their no. contracts are so huge. You're talking about that. contracts for the players. That's what I'm talking about. For the players. I'm no, not, no, I'm, I'm, not, no, I'm talking nobody about... Nobody makes talking, more money than the, than the, the NFL. NFL, yeah, okay, NFL makes a, okay. way more money as yeah, a business. Yes, so, exactly. I meant the that's players. My point. No, I was talking about the way more as money. a business. Yeah. Anyways. So, as what they, is this, as they should make more money. Oh, my gosh. Okay. Anyways, well... That's not what we're here to talk about. So we just want to pick up a little bit of our conversation, Russia and Ukraine. There was a few things that we didn't dialogue, and I just this will maybe take this in a new direction. And you know, there's obviously there are. It feels like daily there's news unfolding of what's mm-hmm. going on, and um, so you know it's, it's hard to keep up with what is going on yeah. in the conflict and all the different pieces that are moving. But I just thought maybe we could talk a little bit, um, just step back a little bit bigger picture. What's the implications of this on the globe moving forward? Mm-hmm. I think that's an interesting question. I heard one person say, I think it was Mark Sayers who said this, if the greatest threat to humanity, and this is a big if, and I know that there are some people politically that are going to be like, no, it doesn't exist, whatever. If, this was just his comment, if the greatest threat to humanity was climate change, yeah. in other words, would our planet ever get to a point where the climate is uh, it's irreparable damage mm-hmm. that it would not go, that it can ever get to the point where it can't sustain life as we know it? Mm-hmm. If that was the greatest threat, it is now not. It's nuclear mm-hmm. war. Mm-hmm. So the question, I guess, would be, wh- where do we see this? I mean, do you guys have any thoughts? Is that a question? And I, I'm sure probably you, if you're listening or watching this, own, you probably maybe have had thoughts. Maybe you haven't had thoughts about this. Where, where, where do we go from here? Will we engage in World War III? What's your prediction? Are we going to be engaged in actual land assault and air assault in foreign soil? Do you guys think that? And what do you think happens post-Russia-Ukraine slash possibly World War III? We're not futurists. I don't know how to predict well, that, but I think it's sometimes just kind of like one of those things where play. you just kind of you kind of role play a little bit. You kind of just think, okay, what could happen? Well, I will say oh, before so he goes that. Are you good? No, go ahead. You first. No, no. Okay, I'll go first. No. Uh, so you can comment about all of my uh, predictions. Okay. Okay. Yeah, let's do it. Let's go, okay. Nostradamus. All right. Let's go. So uh, I think first of all, it's conjecture, but. Uh, let me just say We this. know it's all conjecture. Okay, None good. of this matters. Just, so. okay, We're good. a podcast. None of it matters. Uh, it's all that. a bunch of... Yeah. <laughs> all a bunch of guesses. Yeah. But I think... These are Cleveland say Browns air. conjectures. I, I, I think this. I think on some level, there's no way that with the rise of globalization and economies being tied in the way that they are, and I, I think there could be um, increased chance for... Um, higher weapons to be used. There's no way that I think the U.S. doesn't get involved at some point. Whether Do you think we're going to... Whether military, that's directly... Military. Yes. Military. Do yes, so you military. think we're going to be at war in three days? Uh, I don't know if it's three days, 
but at some point we might be at war by the time this podcast airs. It's possible. I don't know. It's possible. But so you think we're going to war? If not directly, at least through NATO. Uh, what does that mean? So supplying. I, we already are not supplying. I mean, we have there's NATO contingency troops that are under control of like NATO generals that we have. Yeah, uh, that would not armed be a good idea. Forces that are serving and doing that. Maybe that way. I don't know. Not according to President Biden, who says we have a new world order coming and the United States is in charge. Yeah. Move over, NATO. Mm-hmm. We're taking this over. Yeah. Kind of, kind of that, what he said? That, I don't know. I might be said, reading that's, into it. But that's what he said. Um, we, we got this news right before we started summer. this yeah, one, pretty, which is a week before this comes out. Pretty yeah. brash. It is pretty brash. So who knows? So at I, some point, yeah. we might have a new world order, which could mean President Biden is going to be wrestling. So I think, I, <laughs> with in the ring with Elon? NWO. NWO. So, anyways, but so I think yes that we will be involved eventually. I that, think I think the, it's devil horns. The no. greater NWO, the back. greater existential question though is like what. <laughs> Sorry, we're we're wrestling terms over here, <laughs> and you're NWO. talking existentialism. <laughs> I know, right? Sorry, go ahead. I know, right? This is how the conversations normally go. But I think um, for me, <laughs> it's the rise of of or it's like the age old question: democracy versus. What? Authoritarian power or authoritarian governments. Which style? You of think government? somebody's going to win out? If, well, if, has it to. feels no, like they don't. It feels like this. We've been in an epic. Had this kind of. Oh, I thought you meant there's a war. If there's a war, somebody's going to win, or we're all dead. Yeah. Yeah. From nuclear war, but it just. It what just do you seems think? Like th- that's the question that we're trying to solve right now. So, you think we're going to war? Well, the way you first phrased it would was if World War Three happens, are we involved? To which I think what you were saying, yes. If World War Three happens, there's no is inextricably linked as we are to everything. We're a hundred. Okay, wait, 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 wait. Let's define World War Three then, Um, because we already have powers in the world are at war. Okay, so that would include us, right? Yes. I mean, I mean, we're not the only global power. I understand, but so I mean, you already have three nations involved: Russia. Belarus and Ukraine. So World War, though, needs to have more global powers. Would you agree? I would say. And are you saying that? I would say a world war would be when when major powers are involved and it's intercontinental. And And we're talking military, like intercontinental. So not just on the ground. Doing. Yeah. Mm. Okay. So, anyways, you think we'll be involved? I think we're. I know. I'm asking. Do you think in this scenario we're heading to World War Three? Yeah. Yes or no? Will diplomacy win out? No. Diplomacy will not win out. Okay. I am saying uh, every form of diplomacy, which means invoking sanctions and everything else. So you don't think it's going to win out? You think one, a couple things are either going to happen, right? Either Russia gets complete control of Ukraine, puts their own government, and everybody just kind of goes, mm-hmm. turns a blind eye. And everybody goes, okay, that's Russia now, right? Or Ukraine is in a long-standing conflict with Russia, constantly getting support, supplies, weapons from NATO, U.S., mm-hmm. other foreign countries, yep. and nothing else happens. Or other nations jump into this battle mm-hmm. in, this, in this conflict, and all of a sudden we have a, a massive world war. Yeah. I, I think those are probably, are right, options. maybe the those only three. three I, mean, I don't know yeah. they're only yeah. three, but I'm just kind of painting as real broad strokes. It seems yes. like there's three yeah. basic things that could happen. Yeah. Yes. Un- unfortunately, it almost seems like best-case scenario of those three is that uh, the conflict ends in Ukraine and uh, we have another Cold War on our hands. 
Uh, I mean, when you think conflict back, ends in Ukraine and they become like Ukraine Russian, wins. Yeah, Un- Ukraine. right. Yeah, like Russia wins, wins, takes and over then, Ukraine, and then and takes over Ukraine, and then people keep sanctioning, and there's another more severe form of the Cold War. That's, that's obviously that's I, not best case scenario for the Ukrainians. No, no, no I'm, is, I'm saying best case. That's a horrible case scenario. Yeah, that's almost best case scenario for the world if the other two end in World War Three. Yeah, um, no. I think. I actually, of course, I'm not a, obviously a military expert. I keep hearing people say there's going to be a long-standing war with Ukraine. I, I know. I don't think it will be. I don't, I don't. I don't. I don't think. You don't think it'll be a lot of resistance? Like, so here's an example. If they take them over, listen, there will listen, be. here's an example of a long-standing um, war that Russia was in in this exact same scenario. What they're trying to do, right? So Russia, when they uh, invaded Afghanistan, 1979. Mm-hmm. So when they when they go in uh, Soviet. Afghanistan war, they basically went in with the same purpose, which is we want to go, and this has kind of been their playbook, and I feel like they're trying to use the same playbook on Ukraine. We're going to go in, we're going to oust the current government, Mm -hmm. then we're going to put in our own pro-Russia, whether it's communist or whatever, leaders, puppet government to do it. So that's what Russia did in Afghanistan. Ten-year conflict got their butts whooped over Mm -hmm. ten years left with their tail between their legs. Yeah. You'd think Russia would learn from that, yeah. okay? Yeah. But because what happens is even if you get control of mm-hmm. government in there, you have millions and millions of people that are going to fight in resistance. Right. For the, That's where I think it could end up being a really long conflict. The conflict will be internal fighting and resistance against yeah, the government. Yeah. Yeah. There. Yes. There's going to be, yeah. you know what I mean? And yeah. that, I think, is when people are saying long-term conflict, I think yes. that's the picture. For me, when, yes. I, when I look at the scenario, I don't look at the Afghanistan example. I look at, like, Moldova. I look at a couple examples mm-hmm. where they yeah. went into countries and they literally just turned it into rubble when they couldn't get their way. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And which, if you look at Maripol, you know, the southern seaport city, it yeah. looks like, I mean, that's what they're starting to do with their back against the wall is literally just indiscriminately turns cities mm-hmm. unrecognizable. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And so to me, you already have, um, of course, I don't know all the context of the Afghanistan situation, but here you have, I mean, a good chunk of the population has already left. And then so to me, it looks like you have a military that is either going to win or fight to the death and be destroyed. That's to me why it's hard to imagine a long case. Death and be destroyed. I think that you get to a point in these kind of conflicts where people surrender. Yeah. When you know that you aren't going to be able to win this conflict, you, I don't. I don't think they'll fight until every last one. Of them I don't has see died. that in the Ukrainian situation. I don't. I, I don't I, see them surrendering. I, I think I'm not saying that they're going to surrender. I'm just saying you can get to the point where you lose such control that you don't have the communication ability mm-hmm. to coordinate things. That it ends up being one where you just lose control of it, mm-hmm. and so I think that's a possibility. Yeah. I, I, I hope not, but I do. I mean, I think it's going to be really. Now, what's amazing is we were just talking about right now is that Ukraine is actually now on the counteroffensive, yeah. and they're actually going and taking back towns yeah. or an attempt to, which I think is just foiling. Awesome. Every, I mean, Russia's probably going. Yeah. What? That yeah. was not in the playbook. Yeah. We didn't expect that to happen. No. So, what do you think? I think that we're trying everything we can to stay out of a war. Mm-hmm. Um, but I think it's probably one of those ones that I think it might be inevitable yeah. that we end up in a conflict. And if we end up in a conflict, I just, it's, uh, the world just seems, and, and I know it's probably not, and probably every generation th- thinks this, the world just seems different today than it probably was 
in World War II. And I know it is, but the way we are interconnected and the technology yes. war mm -hmm. yes. and the, like, it's just, a, it's, I just, I don't know if a world war will look like the last, the previous no, no, world no, I, think that's I don't one know the if they're going to be parts of this. massive land assaults and all of these sea things. And for, for, I just, how much of it is going to be a technological war? I mean, we've Cyber seen, attacks. we've seen Russia really working that for a while. Well, apparently yeah. we've just threatened Russia, uh, cyber attacks against Russia. Well, I'm sure we have the capability of doing all that, mm -hmm. too. I mean, I think any of these really developed nations with, you know, I, I think have an ability to do it. I think China has an ability to do that, too. Yeah. Okay, true. I think that we, we have a lot of them. So, so I, think that's where, I think that's where fronts. it's going to get fascinating mm -hmm. because th what's unique about this is there may not be, you may not be in conflict on your soil, but you may really feel the effects of the conflict. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. The disruption. See, I think that's different than 60 years ago, 70 yeah. years ago, yeah. 80 years ago. Yeah, it's, it's almost... Events since World War II, my I, gosh. I think there's all these different fronts that are going to happen. 75, 80 years ago. Yeah. Like, you have cyber warfare. I think we're already seeing one front of the war open up with economic warfare. Mm -hmm. uh, we're seeing ec economic warfare on a scale we've never seen before with the sanctions and different mm -hmm. things like that. Uh, it, yes, and then more than troops just kind of heaving at each other across a battlefield, a, a battle technology, um, which long-range missile system can do this, and mm -hmm. can we intercept that missile system there, or, um, you know, I mean, you satellite. can even... Satellite. Think about the use space. of satellites in space, and mm -hmm. there are weapons that have been put a up satellite in, space. in space. There have been weapons that have been, you know what I mean? We did make a Space Force. That's true. Oh, my That's gosh. True. That's true. Okay, that doesn't count. Okay. Um, well... <laughs> But some, I, I do. Very I think that if that happened, I do think Elon Musk would turn the plans of SpaceX <laughs> into trying to figure out how to use that as a weapon. Probably. Mm -hmm. I'm not lying. I actually think yeah. he would, yeah. based on his tweets. I, yeah. I yeah. could see him doing that if we get into actual war. We're sending troops, or we're, you know, and you do think about the technology that you have now to do strikes with drones and all this long-range mm -hmm. stuff. And I just, it is, uh, it's. It's kind of scary to think about, yeah. for sure. I mean, it I, kind of just makes me feel like we're, we're, we're approaching this new territory where we have had this idea, and I think generation under me, behind mm -hmm. me, younger mm -hmm. than me, however you want to say, has probably grown up. If you think if you've grown up, my kids have grown up, there's been a lot of stuff to have been anxious about, but there has not really been like this level of... I just think sustained peace or progress. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I, progress towards getting better. I guess what I'm trying to say is I feel like if you back up four or five years ago, I think there's a notion that we were that we're better. moving toward utopia. Yeah, yeah. yeah. I yeah, think no, there no, has really been, good. and that comes with some progressive thoughts. Like we're moving toward mm -hmm. a utopia, one yep. way or another, yep. and and that we can solve all of the world's problems with mm -hmm. our intellect, with our mind. Mm -hmm. I mean, uh, you know, I just I think that. Through all of that, we are at a massive like reminder, a shock mm -hmm. that that this world is still evil. Right. Mm -hmm. There is a lot of evil in this world. There's people right. are, that are doing evil things in this world. And I just don't I just think this idea of a perfect peacekeeping mm -hmm. globe well, it's like not the, exists. It's like that Mark Sayers thing is not, like not disruption's normal. And these last three years have reminded us that um, this we've not normal. conquered nature. We've not conquered human nature. And it's interesting, I was thinking about this too. Like, you know, we've talked a lot in length over the last um, two years about the effects of 2020 mm -hmm. um, of uh, depression, suicide, isolation, not to mention all the effects of the virus. And then, you know, out of that same period of time, bubbles over 
the biggest civil rights movement since the 60s and mm-hmm. all the polarization politically and the divisiveness things. I mean, and then, you know, everything of the last three years, and, and we've talked about it, the last three beginning of the years, something crazy has happened. Yeah. But if the reports are true that as, um, as dictatorial as Putin's always been, that 2020 through 2021 changed him, yeah. yeah. Uh, the isolation is, wouldn't it be just a tragic irony that of all the things that we've processed that have come out of isolation, the biggest is this delayed result that the most powerfully evil man in the world was adversely affected by isolation mm. and came out of it ready to start a world war. Mm. I think there's a lot more to that. And so sure. I would love to dive yeah. into it a little bit. I was telling you guys some of the stuff that I had kind of uh, just. In, in just reading up and listening to podcasts, I mm-hmm. listened to probably three, four, five different podcasts of just people, you know, professors talking about yeah. like Russian, um, the the ideology of mm-hmm. the Russian leaders throughout mm-hmm. the years, mm-hmm. and mm-hmm. and um, I mentioned something in the last one. You know, I I think sometimes if you're a, if you're a, from a faith context, you know, I've been constantly trying to challenge myself to make sure I stop and pray mm-hmm. and not just read the news. You, you yeah. mentioned that quite a bit on the last one. And I said, you know, I think that's a big question. It feels like, well, what's the point in doing that? Right. You know, it's like, what's, what's prayer going to do? I mean, it just seems like it's gotten escalated to a point where it is going to take physical um, dominance. It's going to take it's war, weapons, all this kind of stuff. But I, I was, I, I want to give credit to, um, I first heard through Mark Sayers, who is a fascinating futurist, mm-hmm. In the Mm -hmm. Christian uh, world, Mm -hmm. uh, pastors a church, I think it's Red Church in Australia. Mm -hmm. And um, he made reference to some podcasts that he's been following Russia for years. Mm -hmm. And so I went and started listening to a bunch of podcasts, one of them called In Moscow's Shadows by Paul Galeado. Galeado. He's a, um, he's a, this is, he's a British um, watcher Mm -hmm. of Russia, kind of consumes all all Mm -hmm. the stuff that comes out of Russia. And he had an interesting episode back in 2020 where he asked this question, who's the most dangerous man in Russia? Hmm. And his, his argument, and after reading papers and other things, his argument was that it wasn't Putin hmm. and that it was the national security advisor, uh, Petrochev, hmm. Nikolai Petrochev. And... What, what, what got really fascinating as I was listening to him talk about um, this group of people in the Security Council that really control a lot of stuff. So there's a Security Council that I, I think it's a no, no more than 30 people in Russia, kind of a nobility, mm-hmm. kind of mm-hmm. like these are, the, these are the kind of people that I think he thinks. Let me just say that. This wasn't mine. This is somebody who just studies this stuff all the time, but who thinks is actually running making all the decisions. Um, Putin chairs it. The seat of the president chairs the National Security Council. Normally, the uh, National Security Advisor was changing quite often. Mm-hmm. Uh, it probably wasn't uncommon for like every year you'd have a new National Security Advisor. Um, but Petrochev, Petrochev became the National Security Advisor in 2008. And he has been in that seat since. Mm. And so you're you're talking about a really long time, yeah. okay? Where you have these are where you probably get the oligarchy. These are probably the the nobility mm-hmm. who mm-hmm. probably have a lot of the wealth. They seem to have a lot of the power that sit on this council that probably influence Putin quite a bit. He's, yeah. He sits in yeah. chair, but I think, and the National Security Council. What's fascinating is is listening 
um, to uh, Mark Galliotti talk about that Petrochev uh, would talk about his successor and his successor who um, was a, an advisor during Yeltsin. And so this would have been in the 90s. You had Gorbachev and then you had the next president. And so when communism fell, and it was a fascinating time to be in Europe. I actually moved to Europe right as the wall fell. It's kind of interesting going to school on a military base. We actually had, um, uh, it was a holiday, and we had the day off on the anniversary of the wall, the official of the wall falling there in Germany. Um, and so it was a, an interesting time going over there. And he just talked about how the, his former successor, okay, in 2006 was, ta was talking about, he claimed the 2006 security advisor, um, so that would have been... Um, Petrochev's successor, yeah. claimed that his boss from the 90s, so he's like a, probably a general or security advisor, his boss. So again, this is kind of like the same seat or the higher up in this, um, actually claimed that he had psychic powers. Hmm. And not only claimed he had psychic powers, but said that he had an ability to, um, and a psychic ability to read and know the then Secretary of State Madeleine Albright. So she was Secretary of State during President Clinton's terms. Mm. Um, and that he could basically get into her mind, knew her dreams, psychic powers, just in the mm. 90s when this all fell, and said that she, that, that the West and specifically America has plans and dreams of coming in and taking over Russia. Wow. Wow. So the reason why I, I wanted to mention that, because I found this super fascinating. I'm yeah. listening to yeah. this guy talk about it. And this was back in uh, 2020. Mm -hmm. This is before this conflict really took off that he was talking about Petrochev and the Security Council. Now, the Security when Council... He would talk, sorry, when, when he would talk about his successor, um, the one that had the psychic powers, would he often reference that specifically, the psychic powers that he, had, that he possessed? Which one are you talking about? Petrochev. Petrochev... So and Petrochev, um, no, he said that his successor, the successor or the person, not successor, the, the person, person before, before him, him right. his would, predecessor, yes, predecessor. would talk about his boss, talked about his boss. Gotcha, okay. Who said this? So it was his predecessor. So all this to say is what is in the mind yeah. of the yeah. people who are making these decisions today? So mm. you fast forward and the Security mm -hmm. Council stay together. They keep this tight grip and they're responsible for the security of the state of mm -hmm. Russia. Mm -hmm. One of the things that was interesting that is part of a considered national security and probably the same thing for America, at least mm -hmm. with them, before all this happened was a pandemic. Mm -hmm. So a pandemic is considered a national threat. Mm -hmm. It was for them, which means that the, uh, the, the, the Security Council would be responsible for managing and responding to any kind of national threat, being mm -hmm. a pandemic. Yeah. So their reaction to this and how they handle it, like what, going back to what you said, because we had these conversations, that they actually moved to isolating Putin quite a bit. Mm -hmm. And he was isolated probably for his protection, the virus. You know, everybody was a little bit different in how they responded to it. And so I think he was isolated severely mm -hmm. during this. Mm -hmm. uh, you, you had mentioned that someone in South Africa had even said, some of the similar stuff. Mm -hmm. Someone in South Africa was their perspective yep. that, that something had changed. Now, what, what's fascinating is you have the British ambassador. This mm -hmm. was more recent. You have uh, uh, French um, foreign affairs 
people that are that were in contact with Putin, Putin. before they invaded Ukraine that were trying to talk him off the ledge. Remember when you, everybody you said someone from America to who? <laughs> Uh, uh, well, no, uh, someone else that responded was Marco Rubio, who yeah. kind of sits on a council, I think, a National Security Council, who I guess at this time was also around the time of the war was tweeting all kinds of things that um, about Putin as mm. well in this, about being such a security risk and, and the mindset of Putin. Um, and, and all of them had responded and basically said, he's not the same person we were talking to in 2019. Mm. Almost like wow. something yeah. had switched Flip. and flipped in yeah. him. Again, I don't know about isolation, but the people he's surrounded around and very insulated. And you got to understand, too, I think in authoritarian type of environments, yeah. I think there's a, a, there's a big, um, you surround yourself with people who are going to tell you what you want to hear or what you, you know, think they, they think right. you want to hear. And so you're not really, I don't know you're always getting the greatest counsel when you yeah. do that. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And you're insulated from, you know, how people really feel and what's going on. But all that to say, you know, I don't think that we, and again, I have no influence on a global setting, but I don't know that we should necessarily just overlook the potential mm -hmm. spiritual, demonic mm -hmm. forces that could be behind because yeah. again, you have people that are making these decisions, right. and 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 again, if you're not in a faith context, you might be going, "This is just all crazy stuff." Okay, it might be, but I'm talking about people who are not faith-based. People are yeah. talking about mm -hmm. the psychic. The, I mean, there are there were Russian security advisors, council, you know, that were that yeah. believed this. Right. They were whether you believe it or not. In fact, when the communism fell, they Russia Russia had psychics on mm. TV. Hmm. Talking about this. So there is absolutely, there's a sense that there, there is a supernatural mm -hmm. force mm -hmm. that they even believed in. We're not talking about right. people that are maybe Christians or that, but they believed in a supernatural force of the psychic ability. Hmm. And how scary is that, yeah. that that could potentially be part of what's leaning toward the mental makeup, the, the, the psychic, the mm -hmm. psych. I don't know, I'm trying to say the, the, yeah. psyche, the psyche yeah. of, of Putin and those leaders who are actually think that the West is trying to take them out. There's something mm -hmm. called, um, have you ever heard of psychosomatic? Yeah. But it's, it's almost like a spiritual thing where you write based on what the spirits you give you. Yeah. And it's almost like just what I immediately think of when you say that. It's like Russia has been writing psychosomatically their future mm -hmm. um, based on Because, I mean, it, it really is, like you said, if you're not from a faith background, because there's, there's all types of spiritual circles. And we, I mean, there's some, there some denominations that, that go a little crazy and they're kind of like the Harry Potter section of Christianity. No offense, Pastor Zach. <laughs> I, knew, uh, I knew that was going to get brought up at but, least once. But I do believe, and I don't know how you can be in this world and not believe that there is good and evil and that spiritual warfare is real. Right. And um, the, the crazy people aside, there, there, there is, Jesus talked about um, that there is such a thing as forces. even, there's forces, not just even individually, but regionally. Mm -hmm. I mean, I've, I've known people that have flown over certain places. I mean, I mean, this sounds really spiritual, but, you know, Seattle, high rates of suicide. I've known people that didn't even know that that flew over Seattle that said they were literally overcome with thoughts they never had before. Mm -hmm. I, I believe there is spiritual darkness that has holds over regions. And you combine that with generational iniquity. Mm -hmm. You combine yeah. that with a country that, I mean, people joke about Russia, but there isn't a, you just, I, the word oppressive yeah. has always come yes. to my mind when I think of Russia. It's yeah. heavy, emotional, spiritually oppressive land. Yeah. Yeah. And then. Well, they were shut and closed for years. And when you speak to the oppressive thing, because I can, yeah. 
you know, my my wife's parents were missionaries for almost six this years. This church was born years. in Russia in a way. Yes. In a way it in was. Way. Our yeah. church was in, in, a, in a unique kind of way. And, you know, I've got to go to, I've been to Russia. You know, I got to go over and visit them when we were there. And there was absolutely, they would tell you, like there was an oppressive type of mm-hmm. feeling. And, I, and I don't, I'm not trying to connect this with a political uh, party or ideology, but even communism and the way it was attached. You know, it, it, I mean, even... Honestly, even things with the Roman Orthodox, or not Roman, sorry, the, the Russian, Russian Orthodox, Orthodox Church, there's some connection between Putin and the Security Council and the Russian Orthodox Church in all of this as well. Yes. There was a massive, there's been a growing Russian nationalism mm-hmm. um, in there, you know, in, 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 before leading up to this and, you know, in certain parts of it. And we've seen that here in America mm-hmm. in the last few years. And I, I just think, it is a good term for it. It felt spiritually oppressive. Mm-hmm. It's an incredible field. And we've, we, my wife's parents helped plant uh, se- several churches over in Russia, some of just phenomenal, doing well. They have planted like mm-hmm. 19 other churches. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And, but, and so there's been a huge response of people who are desperate for some kind of spiritual right. freedom. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, even, and even with the... I mean, Russia closed back down. I mean, yes. in many ways. I mean, Putin yes. was really moving it toward shutting down. Like yes. my parents, wife's parents, were wanting to go over, and it was getting harder and harder. This was before before mm-hmm. the pandemic. It was getting harder and harder to get over there. There's more things, and so and 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 I know that like anytime there's there's that going on, there is going to be a massive movement in the positive in the church. Yeah, because mm-hmm. we see that even yes. in Acts. We see that in the beginning yeah. when there was yeah. oppression happening. Persecution like early Christian, persecution revival. will yes. cause it. And so I think that the, the Russia is going to be But to your that. point, though, I think it's, it's worth noting that um, one of the dark spiritual fruits of spiritual oppression is paranoia. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Like I couldn't help, when you're talking about that, I couldn't help but think of... Uh, um, Saul in the Old Testament, yeah. mm-hmm. who he, the Bible says all the time he, he was vexed by yeah. spirit. He was, yep. he, even though he believed in God, he was actually grieved. He was constantly oppressed, and the fruit of it was was what a deep life ruining paranoia towards David. Oh yeah, mm-hmm. David's out to get me so he, much so that what did he do? He went and saw a psychic, yeah, a medium, yeah, yep. to consult the dead mm. on what's what's happening. And so they, I guess to say all of that, we're just trying mm-hmm. to say all that to again, if you're if you're not a Christian, you're not a faith-based, you might think, okay, I don't know if this stuff's real. That's, that's fine. I mean, I can't prove a lot of this stuff, but we see the effects of it. And mm-hmm. I, I just think my, one of the things I, I just think is important is to remind those of you that are, are faith-based to say that if there is spiritual and demonic things at mm-hmm. play here, it's important that we're not just reading the news, but we're also praying. Yeah, yeah, and and that that there is a spiritual authority that mm-hmm. we've been given to mm-hmm. to engage in that fight. And prayer is a weapon that and we to have. intercede on behalf. To intercede on, on behalf for the Russians, for the Ukrainians, and what's going on. Yeah. And I'm praying that this thing would stop and that yeah. we could bring peace. But you know, it's just I, I just I think there's a war, yeah. a war within a war. Yeah, that, that's potentially going yeah. on here that we yeah. can't see. Mm-hmm. And and I don't think we should overlook it. And then when you hear kind of the history, yeah. and you see what people are saying about Putin, it's like the lights are out. Yeah, mm-hmm. like things are different. Mm-hmm. Like something's snapped. Yeah. It kind of really does make you wonder. Yeah, yeah. It makes you wonder kind of what's going on and what the future is going to be. Yeah, it's definitely fascinating. I think that when you look at this, I think for me, the question is okay. If there's some sort of 
spiritual warfare going on here, what then would come next? Because I think there's this whole sect of of Christianity mm. or uh, belief that would say this is just a sign of things to come. Oh, so you want to get into the rapture index. No, you, no. Were, you were so quoting you were, Pat no. Robertson earlier. No, it was Pat not. Robertson. I think it is fascinating to say, though. I and I, and I think we should address mention this because there are people who are looking at what's happening and they're seeing some of these spiritual connections, and they're drawing conclusions based on scriptural text. I don't like what like pa- what what um, the God is compelling. He said, "Yeah, what would he, he say?" He said, "God has compelled Russia to God invade has Ukraine, Putin, Putin. Mm-hmm. to invade Ukraine." Ukraine. To, to bring basically about, to bring about the end of the world, start the, world. The, yeah. the the end of the world. Yeah. Just, you don't like that. No, these I moments don't. are eschatological gold mines. Yes, for people. Like that. they are. Yes. And yeah. and so now, um, what I don't like that I've seen out of that. Okay, first of all, I, and that I don't know if that's true. And so I don't want to. I we I know we've got done talking about there are spiritual things that work potentially behind here. Yeah. I, I'm so I'm not. But the moment you. I just have a hard Start time of saying God dates. compelled Putin to do this. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, and I just think that caution that we just go to, like, can you, you imagine said, a Ukrainian believer huddling down here and that? Yeah, I'll say, well, God, God sent them in here because he's bringing the end of the world. Like, mm. I, I, I just think that we, there is a, a sect of yes. a version of, of Christianity, Christianity that faith. has come out. That is like I want to say, and this is kind of what a little bit just me personally kind of bothers you, kind of really support Putin mm-hmm. and what's happening. Mm-hmm. Maybe not so much because they believe ideologically in what Putin believes, but almost like it's it's an initiation it's of end this times. end times that you know we want to accelerate toward. I think many of them are already heightened. I've heard yeah. that mm-hmm. through COVID, yeah. all of these things are signs of the yeah. end times, yeah. and and so now this is added to it. Now yeah. I've heard about Gog and Magog, and yeah. I've heard about yeah. everything, and this is all mm-hmm. screwed up from mm-hmm. Revelation scripture. Or left behind but, times. But, but, people of the north <laughs> coming. Yeah, <laughs> Raise your hand if you read left Especially anyway, since it was anyway. Petrochev Nikolai. Mm-hmm. It was Nikolai. That Nikolai. is like uh, Petrochev. Carpathia. Yeah. Uh, anyways, but I think, but I think this off. does speak to, I think there's something inside all of us as humans, that we look at what's happening here and we just see the devastation that's being, you know, wreaked across the continent. And we just say, we're looking for some sort of redemption. We're looking for some sort of hope that we can have. And so people are trying to grasp at anything to say that maybe this is the beginning of God coming back and making everything right or doing things like that. Um, and what would you say to that? People who are like just looking, trying to grasp. There's always a grasping of making sense of life. Yes. Yeah. Yes. I just think we have to be careful that we, I, I feel like that there has been in Christianity forever, yes. we're, we're trying to interpret the signs. We're trying you to said make to, you know, you can the world interpret the signs, but, the Bible. but we're, trying to, we're trying to interpret the signs, read the tea leaves enough so that we can determine when Jesus is coming back. Or, yes. and, and, and I just, I feel like what Jesus said, he was like, no one knows, yeah. not even the son, but the father, mm-hmm. you know? And I, I think... I just, one of the things I've turned me off to this heightened um, anticipation of the end of the world, the Armageddon, the eschatological, um, I guess, like, I don't know, paranoia. Mm -hmm. I don't mean to offend if, if, you know, that I'm just saying what's turned me off is that 
that has just become such a focal point of people's lives that it seems like that they're running around going, it's happening, it's coming, it's yeah. this, it's this. And, and, and it doesn't ever seem to be, doesn't even, it, it just seems a lot of times that the energy is not turned toward, I want to do everything I can to yeah, share my escapism. hope and faith with people there. It really just turns into more, into more like just this panic are yeah. you? I'm. Are you ready? Down. It's see almost the world's excited gonna end. and scared. Yeah. yeah. Instead of a brokenheartedness that turns into courage. Yes. And I don't. And I don't want to say that across the board. And I, I know we're. Just, but we're. We're generalizing a little bit. But but yeah. we've seen enough of this. Mm -hmm. I mean. Yeah. You sent us. I mean, because you you read. You're you're a subscriber to what was it? The well, Rapture, Rapture Index. No, what's it called? I the can't believe that's a real thing. Rapture Ready. And how did you know that? I no, because he subscribes. I the Rapture subscribe. Ready Index. Okay. Full disclosure. I do not subscribe. I don't know what Rapture this is, Ready. and so I want to just say right now. On the front end, because he was reading a little bit to us, if this is something that you love and you read this all the time and you get excited about it, I apologize in advance. I never heard about this, and my reaction <laughs> was index. my reaction was I was laughing. Okay, and so I don't I don't mean to offend. You just put that on ignorance. I have no, I didn't know about this, but so in the Rapture Ready Index, index. the RRI. Yes. Okay. If you're you not said, a believer watching, I'm so sorry. I know. If you're not, we these are the kind of things that you just go, oh my gosh, this is why I wouldn't want to be one. Right. And can I just tell you, I understand 100%, yes. and I kind of feel the same way as you. Yes. So I am, in a way, and I'm not trying to poke fun, because there are probably people that really do believe this in sincerity, and, and that's possible. Mm -hmm. But when we have an index... Mm -hmm. And we are one point away from the all-time high. All high. When he yes. said that, we're scored a 188 right now. Yes. What did you and, say the and, level said? Buckle your seatbelts? Well, uh, and, above but, 160, fasten your seatbelts. But, but hold on. But my first reaction, I said, wait a minute. So you're telling me it's been higher. Mm -hmm. It's been higher than this. Mm -hmm. We were actually closer to the end times. Before the, well, was or? No. When no. was it? it? Was two thousand? Oh uh, no! Don't even bring that up. That was bad. Yeah. Wasn't it October two thousand sixteen? October tenth, two thousand sixteen. So I'm sure that wasn't politically motivated at all. No. That's right before a major election, right? Right. But but then they have a scale. Yeah. And we're just hoping to get back down under a hundred. Which was slow prophetic activity. Say that you need to speak up. Slow prophetic activity. So when we are under a scale of 100, we have slow prophetic activity happening in our in our globe, right? Yeah. And then there's other... kind of like pre-Malachi times. So, uh, no. And then there's... What's the next? Uh, there's 100 to 130 is moderate prophetic activity. Okay. And then 130 to 160 is heavy prophetic activity. And then above 160 is fasten your seatbelts. Literally, that's what they call it. Fasten your Fa seatbelts. Fa fasten your seatbelts. So wow. It just say this, that the rapture index has two functions. Are you ready? One is to factor together a number of related end-time components into a cohesive indicator. And the other is to standardize those components. Oh, sorry. To eliminate the wide variance that currently exists with prophecy so, reporting. Let's put it this way. I will say this. If you're someone who believes in an end times, yeah. okay, I will say this. We are one day closer to it than we were yesterday. Yep, that's true. That's true. We are moving closer toward mm -hmm. whatever that is. I, I am not so sure that we have interpreted Revelation the best. Yeah. That's just my personal. I don't. Um, and so I don't. You know, when I hear people going, I think it could happen any day now. I'm just sitting here going, every generation that I have known has said it's going to happen any day now. Mm -hmm. 
I mean, especially when there's wars, World yes. War Two. Yes, yes. And Jesus said there'll be wars, wars rumors, rumors of wars. wars sure. and, you know, and so All sorts of signs. Sure. But that's, that's, what, that's what we don't want to mock. Jesus did say discern the times. Yes. Yeah. But he didn't say to obsess or hyper interpret. He said discern. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And and I, I think the question you have to ask yourself is. Where does all of this discerning take you? And I think you, yeah. you, you brought it up. It, you know, does it take you to this escapism? I just want to, you know, leave this world behind and I, I don't care about anything that happens. Or does it turn you to look at the people around you uh, who, who might be suffering or, and, and just say, hey, I, I want to do whatever I can do in this moment to help spread the news about who Jesus is yeah. or tell people about what's going on. Yeah. And so I think, or does that, do you hunker down in a compound and wait for it to and wait come? for it to mm-hmm. come? Cause yeah. I've, I've also heard that narrative. Mm-hmm. Yeah. We should, we should move into a compound. The prepper and we should all just, yeah. Yeah. And it's like mm-hmm. that, that just to me seems, I don't know. It just seems like antithetical to mm-hmm. really what, what Jesus was about. Yeah. yeah. And, and it just seemed like he was like, I'm, I'm about, reaching people i I, you know it's Mm. i mean there is an essence in in scripture that talks about being ready Mm. yes i mean there's parables jesus gave about the virgins with the oil there's there's all these there's these things about being ready Mm -hmm. Uh, and but i i like to think more like i live ready Mm -hmm. i don't want to think about being getting ready right I, i it's authentic it's real I am not worried. Yeah, I'm not stressed. That doesn't mean I don't have concern of the uh, of, of what's going on in the mm-hmm. geopolitical realm and how that's going to impact my family and my kids yeah. and our in our country and all that. We can have concern with all that, but when you look at this in the broader sense, yeah. I'm just not going to let that dictate yeah. my my mentality, my peace. It's not going to steal my peace. Yeah. And I would hope that it's not going to lead me to make statements mm-hmm. that say. Oh, I'm for Putin because God must be really moving the chess pieces to yeah. finally get us yeah. to checkmate. Mm-hmm. Yeah. You know, I, I just I and I don't know if that's always the motivation behind no. it, but it's like I I have a hard time getting behind what Putin is doing. And especially if I if you're a faith based person, mm-hmm. especially if you have not heard any of the narrative of some of the spiritual stuff that yeah. could absolutely be behind mm-hmm. what's going on. Yeah. Like like I kind of be a little cautious before I'm putting that on God. That, yeah, first yeah, of all, yeah. is not going to be right. a really great representation of God in this world. Yep. Right. right. And, and so I, I just, I, I would just caution. Mm-hmm. I'm not saying that you shouldn't, like Jesus said, discern the times. Mm-hmm. Okay? I'm not saying that we should not pay attention. I'm not saying this. But how, here's what so I would want to know. How is that going to change anything for me? Yeah. Yeah, I don't if know. If we're getting that much... Closer. How does it change? I mean, maybe for people. Well, I mean, I'm just saying. I'm going to keep doing what I'm doing, leading our church. We're going to. If you can hear that, it's a deluge outside, and it's I don't know. Loud. Like right now, while we're recording this, it's pouring yes. rain so hard that I can't even hear myself think. But I, I just don't know. I don't know what would change for me. I I live on mission. I live with a sense of urgency. Our church does that. I want to share the hope of Jesus. Yeah. I want to do it with anybody and yeah. everybody that I can every single day mm-hmm. and every single weekend. And I just don't feel like any of that would ever change yeah. if I could read the signs and go, man, we're closer. It could be in five years, 10 years. What am I going to do differently? Yeah. So let me, let me ask this question. Um, we kind of opened up starting talking about like, are we going to be involved in World War III? What is this going to look like? And then this epic conversation of good versus evil almost, like end times or not. Like, There's probably a lot of people who are really afraid 
mm-hmm. right now who are looking out and just they're afraid of what would happen if there would be a World War Three. Mm-hmm. Is the end time is the end times coming? What would you what would you say to the person mm-hmm. who's listening who's just afraid mm-hmm. about what the future holds? Yeah, I think a few things right off the top, and of course this depends on if you're a person of faith or not. But um, I like when the when the when COVID first hit. Uh, Stephen Furtier did an IG Live where he did the whole thing of like Peter and the wind and the waves, and he said, uh, he said, check the wind, don't watch the wind. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. It was a John Maxwell said when the, when the children of Israel were going into the promised land, um, the the ones that focused on giants grew their fear. The ones that focused on milk and honey grew their faith. Mm-hmm. So a lot of if you're full of fear right now, that's a great indicator where your focus is. Yeah, that's yeah, that's good. good. So that's good. if you're full of fear, your focus has been on uh, an addictive new cycle of doom, and you need to redirect your eyes from the wind back onto Jesus. I'm just going to be spiritual. If you're a person of faith, because whatever you're putting in focus becomes the biggest thing. Mm-hmm. So uh, history, wars come and go, kings come and go, uh, moments change. But uh, all of that is an ant against the Swiss Alps mm. uh, when you put current events against the one that breathed the universe into existence. Mm-hmm. And so part of it is where I'm putting my focus. Another thing is to have an eternal perspective. Mm-hmm. Uh, so if, if, again, this is where we get into the wrong wars. We're not in a political war. We're not ultimately in a flesh and, and body war. We're in a spiritual war. Yeah. And uh, I really do believe... And throughout history and throughout scripture, that prayer changes things. Yeah. And there's power in prayer. I think, so I would change where my focus is. I would change what I would see as the real war. Um, and then I would get on mission. You can't live on yeah. mission and full of fear at the same time. Yeah. Mm, and I would good. say, uh, this world is not our home. Um, yeah. And uh, there, there is, there is destiny and true purpose over every single one of us yeah. and we get to choose whether we sink back in fear or whether we move forward in courage yeah and the the future is not going to be written by people that live in fear yeah the future is yeah. going to be written by people that live in courage and i would say honestly this is a time that needs spiritual eyes and this is a time that needs leadership yeah, yeah. so i when i was in south africa uh, I, one of the first, uh, like day three, we, um, took a boat ride out to Robin Island where Nelson Mandela was. It is actually a really convicting moment for me because, um, we're, we're going through South Africa was like really COVID strict mm-hmm. and I mean, mass in certain places still and six feet separation, hand sanitizer wasn't a courtesy like the States. It was, it was mandatory. And we, it, we were stuck in this really hot, stuffy place for about an hour. And I was just, I'll just be honest, I was getting a little grumpy because we were finally getting ready to get out of the boat. So finally, I get past the ticket station outside, getting ready to get to the boat. My dad gets stuck. They can't scan his ticket. Something's wrong. And I'm starting to get a little frustrated. And, and I feel bad for my dad, who's older, trying to get. And so finally, I was like, what is the deal? Why, why is this so hard? And there is, there is an, an older man in a wheelchair uh, sitting in front, a South African. And he pulled me over. He goes, hey, come here. I was like, so I went over there and he goes, everything's going to be okay. He's like, you and your dad are going to be able to be on this tour together. They're just having a problem because the line was so long. And I was like, okay. So long story short, we take an hour boat ride over to Robin Island. We get on the tour. That guy that had pulled me over was Nelson Mandela's roommate. What? In prison. 
Whoa. What? He, so he's, and, and if you've ever heard like someone that has been through that much pain talk, the weight yeah. that yeah. they carry, yeah. the room yeah. is hushed every word. He took us into the cell where they were. Wow. And so we slept there on that floor. He started talking about the moment that he hadn't seen family or friends in 10 years, but they told him his dad was coming. And so finally he goes to meet his dad and they pull him into the office and tell him that they just shot his dad and to go back to his cell. Yeah, he describes the torture. He describes, but then he starts talking about Mandela. Mm. And he starts talking about how Nelson Mandela, because he was a lawyer, would petition yeah. him to give them bunk beds. And they would say, okay, fine. He would wear them down. He'd say, fine, we'll give you one, but not the rest. And Nelson Mandela said, if everybody doesn't get bunk beds or a bed or a mattress, then I don't. And he just started talking about the leader that Nelson Mandela was. Mm -hmm. And he just started talking about the humility, mm. the, the servanthood, um, the maturity, the discipline. And of course they say, one of the reasons they say that, um, the, the phrase of Mandela, I've heard this for years, of a wounded healer. Because Nelson Mandela rises out of 27 years in prison. They take him straight to give this speech. And this speech mm -hmm. shaped the rest of the nation. Yeah, mm -hmm. He could have come and spoken out of bitterness, resentment, mm -hmm. let's rile everybody up. But yeah. he spoke from a place of forgiveness. He spoke from a place of speaking of the future. All this to say, we get back on the bus and our South African tour guide, he said, you know, he goes, there were the days of the Martin Luther King Juniors. Um, there were the days of the Winston Churchills. We had the days of the Nelson Mandela. He said, I just grieve the fact that there's no Nelson Mandela of today. Mm. And I just think our world is ripe yeah. mm -hmm. for true leadership. To And we have the, we have the Zelenskys. We have great, but the, the world is ripe for another Mandela. Mm -hmm. The world is ripe uh, for a Caleb or a Joshua mm -hmm. uh, to step forward and to speak courage, wisdom, hope, and future into this historic moment. Yeah. Wow. That's crazy. What a story. Yeah. Yeah, I think it's a great reminder. And, and you know, if anything, what, what that – that guy who was uh, Nelson Mandela's former jailmate, you know, pulls you aside. I think. I think one of the things Man, that you don't feel love. Yeah. Yeah, 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 yeah. Well, I think one of the things that he brought to that moment was a little perspective. Mm -hmm. Yeah, you're gonna be all right. Yeah. I sat in a jail cell with him. Yeah. You, you're gonna be all right. You're gonna yeah. get on there. It's gonna work. <laughs> yeah. You know. Yeah. And when I when I think about that, that's somebody who has enough experience mm -hmm. that he has some perspective that goes, it's not the end of the world. Yeah. Mm -hmm. It's gonna. It will get it all worked out. It'll be mm -hmm. fine. Stop freaking out. Right. And and that is almost kind of what I think I would hope for all of us mm -hmm. in the most tumultuous times. Like what, this is probably the most uncertain. Yeah. If you think about it, it's not just this, but for the last two years mm -hmm. has been some of the most uncertain Disruptive. times we've mm -hmm. faced. And from, from what COVID and the pandemic and loss of lives through it, through just all the political things, mm -hmm. the social things you mm -hmm. talked about, and then even now facing a crisis that could end up in a world war. And, and, yes. and who knows? Mm -hmm. And I think when you see all of those, that's your Rapture Ready Index, you know, you yes. see all mm -hmm. those things, you know, because my guess is they're looking at it and Jesus said there will be famines and there'll be this mm -hmm. and, there'll be, you know, and you know, all these Disease. things. And, and I think um, the, how do I, I just want to have, like you said, an eternal perspective mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. that this, this life is, is this short, but this world is not my home mm -hmm. and I I'm living, but I want to live on mission mm -hmm. and I want to live for a greater purpose. Mm -hmm. yeah. And, and so I can do that without being an alarmist. Yes. Yeah. I can do that without yes. going, Oh my gosh, Oh my gosh. Just, you know? Mm -hmm. And I think that's, I think, I think we don't need that. Yeah. yeah. I, I, I wish 
you know, I, I, I just think some of those that want to do that, hey, listen, maybe keep that to yourself. Right now, what we do need is leadership. Mm-hmm. Right now, what we need are some people who are going to come at moments of crisis with faith, and they're going to come mm-hmm. at moments of crisis with peace internally, and they're going to go, this, let's just move forward mm-hmm. in this, and let's do the right thing. Yeah. And then I feel like that's, that's kind of what, you're right, our world's looking for it right now. Yes. Our world is looking for it. Mm-hmm. And when there's so much struggle for power, mm-hmm. and everybody wants to, everybody is so hungry for power. Mm-hmm. Man, that's, that's what was so beautiful about Nelson Mandela. Mm-hmm. There's, you, know, the, you think about it, the people that had little to no power, I mean, later in his life, after all that, mm-hmm. he did. But the people that had no power, really, when you think about human history, ended up having the greatest influence. Yep. Mm-hmm. What was it Napoleon Bonaparte said? Uh, he said, at this moment, I command millions who would fight for me, but it's because they fear me. Mm-hmm. He said, yeah, this man named Jesus had more millions who would lay down their life because they loved him. Mm-hmm. Billions. Yeah. yeah. Think about it. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So the very people, and so we always think in terms of power yeah. mm-hmm. and how do we get in control. And I just think what an incredible picture, not only from Jesus, but all throughout history mm-hmm. of the most influential people in our world that have made the most impact and, done, and brought the most change yeah. have yeah. not been the ones in power. Yeah. No. Yeah. They've been the ones power who sacrifice. is not what changes the world. Influence. Yeah. Influence. And, and so I, I, I hope that maybe even just as we wrap this up, this podcast, I would hope that maybe a takeaway from this would just be when you're around others, why don't you carry yourself mm. with a sense of faith, carry mm. your That's sense so mm. with a sense of mission, yeah. be the influence yes. yeah. in those conversations. When people, because you're going to run into people who are freaking out about yes. what's, what could happen. If we go into World War, mm-hmm. yes. th- you're going to see a whole new level mm-hmm. uh, of, of heightened Anxiety, fear and stress. Yeah, tension. and I think this is the kind of time where hopefully the people of God who have faith, mm-hmm. who don't, they're not alarmist and they're not walking in fear are going to go, man, I, I know all this is going on around me, but I've got a peace inside of me. Mm-hmm. And, uh, and I think when the world sees that, they're going to say, why do you have that? Mm-hmm. What is that? I want that. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And I think that's, that's the way we should carry ourselves. And so I would encourage you as well, just to, as a reminder, to if you're a person of faith, pray yeah. yes. for the situation. That's part of what we were mm-hmm. talking about, that there, there may be far more spiritual influence in what is going on in the world than we even realize right mm-hmm. now. Yeah. And I just think w- one of the greatest things that we can do, mm-hmm. one of the greatest weapons that we have is prayer, is interceding mm-hmm. for those. And I think that's what we're called to do. And intercede for the Ukrainians, intercede. I mean, you're praying for Putin. Mm-hmm. Intercede and pray for, pray for mm-hmm. peace in this conflict. Mm-hmm. Pray for God to change people's hearts. Yeah. Pray for God to change the Security Council. Pray for God that you know who knows what will happen. So, yeah. Yeah. but uh, it's, it's been a fascinating it's conversation, really guys. And just say thank you so much for all of you that have been tuning in, whether it's through YouTube or you follow us in Spotify or Apple Podcast or whatever platform. Thank you so much for connecting with us. We hope that these conversations give you an ability to process and to think. Mm-hmm. We don't have the answers. We, no. I mean, we're pastors. We have no, <laughs> I mean, we're talking about geopolitical issues and we, we have no, no I mean, we, we love kind of to, to be in the, what's going on culturally. We love yep. to research and read and do all of that. And so we just try to bring a little bit of an informed mm-hmm. conversation to the table. But really, at the end of the day, I, I think one of the things we would love for you to do is process with us. Yeah. 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 And so as you're processing all these things, if you have thoughts and if you have comments, and we'd love to hear them, you can always email us to podcast at the x.church. Um, there's also ways you can leave comments and you know other things. But thank you for subscribing. If you get these updates, and thank you for even rating and reviewing really does help kind of yeah. get the conversation out mm-hmm. to more people. So thank you so much for doing that. And until next time, God bless you. Have a great week. <laughs>